Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Jim, the CIO of Right Networks, and we discuss how to make sure your security strategy is always evolving and up to date. How Jim's company has utilized IT Pro TV to upskill their workforce, and what digital transformation looks like for accounting function. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. is the Modern CTO Podcast. Could you give me a little bit of your background? How did you first get into technology? Yeah, so good question. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this when, you know, knowing we were doing this today and sort of went into the way back machine and, you know, started to think about how I got into it. And, it, you know, I would say, you know, coming out of high school, just, you know, probably like a lot of 18 year olds, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I was, I was definitely going to go to college, uh, but I, you know, I had, I was always strong in math. Um, I took a, in my senior year in high school, took a Fortran programming class. And it was, I think it was the last year they used punch cards. So I bet you've never seen punch cards, Adam, but not in person. Was, uh, that was an <laughs> interesting experience. So, you, you know, you'd code in all of your code on a, on a teletype that would punch holes in cards and then you'd load it in uh, on the, with a card reader. Um, and so it was, you know, I, I thought it was super interesting. I didn't, and I really didn't know what I wanted to major in in college. So I decided to, you know, go to computer science and see how that was. And so I ended up, liking that and i got a computer science degree and came out of uh came out of college and got my first job programming on an ibm mainframe uh an ibm mainframe 370 writing business applications um and it was it was interesting because it was so different you know back in you know the mid 80s right where you would you know i was part of a larger software development team of course just out of college the youngest person on the team and you know, there were mid-career, late-career folks on the team, and they in in that day you would, you know, you'd spend two or three hours in the morning writing your code, submit it to the compiler, and then you would have probably a half an hour to wait to get <laughs> results from the compiler, uh, which seems crazy today, but that's kind of how it worked back then. And they would, you know, most of them were smokers, and they would submit their code to the compiler, and they would all go outside and smoke, and so. I was not a smoker and was younger. And so there was one IBM PC in the office. And while my code was compiling, I would always go over and play around with that IBM PC and figure out, you know, how that worked and what was that, what that was all about. Uh, and it seemed a lot more fun and interesting than coding business applications on an IBM 370 mainframe. And so around that time, I had... Uh, a friend of mine decided to run for state senate in Massachusetts, and he asked me to work on his campaign and handle all of the technology needs of the campaign. So I said, "Sure." I was, you know, 23 years old, and that sounded great. I had no idea what that meant, but I decided. <laughs> yeah, what are to, the technology say, needs? Why of not? Uh, and so it turns out that you know he he needed a computer, and at that time. And IBM, you know, an IBM personal computer at that time was probably over $2,000, which was super expensive for a, you know, a, a campaign that was, you know, in a state and it was just starting and we really didn't have a lot of money. So 
I just figured out what all the components were that went into a personal computer and mail ordered them and built a computer for him, um, which turns out only takes a couple of hours to, to put it all together and test it out, burn it in, load the operating system, and, and we were off and running. And I was able to do that for about $300, uh, wow. maybe maybe $350. Uh, and so that, that sort of got me sort of sparked on, you know, personal computing. And so I probably spent the first, you know, 15 years of my career in, in corporate IT, really, you know, just in progressive areas of responsibility, specifically around local area networking, software on local area networks in pretty large companies um, for most of the first 15 years. So I was in, and it was great. I got exposed to, you know, lots of different types of businesses uh, and large global businesses. So I, I was in, uh, I worked for the city of Boston for a number of years, so I was able to get exposed to, you know, what it takes to run a large municipality. I worked for uh, a financial institution that was a large global financial institution. I worked for a, um, a manufacturing company that made robots, um, Cincinnati Millicron, uh, all, all in corporate IT. Um, and then uh, finally, in a, a managed healthcare company, which was... You know, when I went to the managed healthcare company, it was much smaller. So I had spent, you know, a dozen years in really large uh, corporate IT, and you know, getting getting exposed to how things are done at scale globally was super good experience early in your career. And I started to cut my teeth on management there, but I wanted it. It felt sort of you sort of feel disconnected from the business, and you feel kind of like a number. So I wanted to get. You know, I wanted an opportunity in a smaller company, and so I took an opportunity at a managed healthcare company that, when I joined, was not tiny, but probably call it eighty million in revenue and a few hundred employees. Um, but you know, much smaller in earlier stage than I have been in. And I thought I was going to go there and really show them, you know, how to do things because I was coming from these, you know, large, successful global five hundred companies. And what I quickly realized was I knew how to operate within an established scalable infrastructure. I had no idea how you put that in place. Um, and that's really what needed to happen for that company to grow from, you know, 70 or 80 million in revenue. We had a target to get to a billion within five years. Um, and we needed a, you know, a lot of scalability and technology in order to in, in, in order to achieve that goal. So um, that was a great learning experience. Um, and we, we, we didn't make it to a billion. We made it to about 750 million. And then we uh, ended up selling the company at that point. So it was, um, you know, but that was really my first, my first experience in, you know, a relatively smaller, high growth kind of a, an environment. And I loved it. It was, it was so great. Um, and it was a pretty technology intensive business. Um, so that was a good fit for me. And, it, you know, all of those experiences were great. I loved getting exposed and seeing how different businesses ran and, you know, what happens in a bank, what happens in a manufacturing company that makes robots. And that was super cool. But in corporate IT, I always felt I'm a little I'm disconnected from what the company actually does for business. And so it was around this time 
that you know software companies were starting to talk about offering software as a service and which at the time was called ASP and it turns out my background was great uh, for this because software companies knew a ton about how to write software and ship software and knew really nothing about the rest of the IT infrastructure and components needed in order to deliver it as a service. And so I started with a company, relatively small company, just outside of Boston, and to head up their, what they called their ASP service. So it was an enterprise software company that shipped product that had some demand from their marketplace to offer it as a service. So I came in to start the ASP version of that software for that uh, company. So um, so that was sort of a... What's ASP? So... Uh, Application service provider Got is it. what they referred to it as. So today we would probably call it SaaS, software mm-hmm. as a service. It was at that time they called it ASP. Um, and so that was super interesting because the software was collaboration software. So it delivered um, content, PowerPoint, or you know, demonstration of software, that type of content with integrated voice over IP. So corporations would use it to a lot of education departments for global companies would use it so they could train their employees on software or train their employees on anything really over the internet and over computers rather than you know having to fly people around and it reduced the cost for them and they could get their employees trained much faster so there was a great market need for it and they the marketplace really wanted that delivered as a service they didn't want to have to build and you know, running voice over IP on a network is not that straightforward for your you know average business to figure out. So, um, so we we grew that, and that was at that point I was hooked because now I'm right in the middle of you know actually what the company does for business, right? I'm not just corporate IT working in the background. Um, not to minimize that, that's super important too. But now. I'm in the middle of what the company is actually selling and delivering and starting to interact with clients and and get into negotiations around contracts. And so it was a great, great experience. And I never went back. So I've spent the past 20 years really exclusively working in the what was ASP and then became on demand and now is software as a service and or cloud and have uh, you know spent the last 20 years really applying my skills and learning and and in smaller high growth type companies um that do that so it's been a it's been a great journey so far really cool i'm just curious when you mentioned you spent some time working for the city of boston what was was your title there just because i um i didn't know that cities and governments had ctos until we had the cto of the united states on the podcast a while ago and then subsequently at the CTO of New York city a little while after that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I was just curious. What, what were you doing? Yeah. So, I, so I was, you know, at that time I was a, an entry level, relatively entry level person. So I, I was a, a software programmer. Oh, cool. Um, that was my job there. And was there I, a CTO know, at the time? There was a CIO, which oh, yeah, was yeah. probably the same, the same role, but yes. And if you think about it, which I, you know, if I hadn't worked there, I never would have thought about it either, but you know, running a, running a large city is very similar to running a large company. And 
there's technology needs from you know if you look at every every function within what it takes to run a municipality whether that's you know i did work there i worked with the boston police um on you know they have there's a position within the boston police called a ballistician and who's responsible for um one of the things he's responsible for is you know all of the guns and so they you know if you think about you know anytime there's an arrest and they confiscate a weapon that's all getting put somewhere in storage and they have to track all the serial numbers and you know and so there was a so I wrote a software application to track all of the and I had no idea any of this existed until the ballistician brought me to the warehouse where the guns were and it was a massive warehouse with just racks and racks and racks of weapons and you know so I was yeah it was it was crazy um, but yeah, from, from that to, you know, the, the demographics of the population of the city, um, there was one of the coolest things there was the, the traffic department. So there's, they had a, a pretty a sophisticated GIS system, um, you know, the, the geographical information system, and it controlled all of the traffic lights in the city. And so there was a room with a massive wall with a map of the entire city of Boston with every single traffic light in the city. And you could, you know, you could control, you know, whether it was red, yellow, or green from, from this room. And so they would, you know, they had a bunch of guys from MIT that would do, do analysis of traffic patterns and they would program, you know, what was the best, you know, the optimal way to program the lights for, I mean, it was super cool. And, but then every time I went out in the city, I was stuck in a traffic jam. So I'm not sure, you know, how, I don't know what it would have been like without that system. But, um, so there's, you know, just all kinds of things like that. Um, licensing boards and there's just a ton to, to run a, a large municipality. Yeah. I had never thought about, um, just like governments in general as like the amount of kind of business operations that have to go into it. But I, I've been like, listening to some other podcasts about world history recently and just realizing that it's always been that way. Um, for example, when a lot of countries in South America were first becoming independent, they were raising money by selling bonds uh, over in Europe. And um, in order to sell their bonds and promise that they'd pay them back and everything, they were like, writing up revenue projections based on their natural resources to like prove that, that it's a good investment for people. And so I was like, wow, that's like, they're just businesses, <laughs> but countries. Right. <laughs> and um, sorry, but small digression, but that was yeah, just no, something it's interesting. True though, you don't, you don't think about it until you, you know, you just, you, you kind of get inside or get exposed to it. And they're like, but, and you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Of course they need to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I but, think in some ways more challenging for them because, you know, at least in certainly in a, in a city municipality, right. They, they have needs like a, like a business would, but I don't, I don't know if they necessarily have the, the funds or the ability to compete for the talent the same way a, a private business would. So right. it, you know, so I think there's, there's some challenges there for sure. But, but uh, let, let's get back to, so right now you're at a company called Right Networks. Can you tell me about what you're doing there? Yeah, sure. So, so Right Networks is you know it's a really interesting company, right? So we we help uh, accounting professionals and accounting firms, 
really with their technology needs. And so what that means is, you know, we have, <clears throat> there are many core applications that accountants uh, and accounting professionals and firms need and they rely on in order to you know, run their business. And so we, many of them, some of them are, are modern SaaS type cloud applications natively, and many of them are, are not. They're, a lot of them tend to be you know, native Windows-based applications that have evolved over the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years with a tremendous amount of intellectual property living within these, within these, within these applications that have been developed and their core to being able to do the job of an accountant. And so we, we have technology and services that one of the things we do is cloud enable many of these uh, applications and we optimize them to run in the cloud. Uh, and then we provide that to accounting professionals um, and accounting firms. And then we have other services that um, probably maybe you could think of them maybe in the advisory category of you know how what what are the best technologies to use to to run your accounting firm in a modern way how you know what are some of the strategies you can use to grow to build and grow your firm and how do you connect with um, existing clients and get new clients and we have technology that helps accounting accountants and accounting firms do that Cool. So it's kind of digital transformation specifically for accounting firms and accounting departments, or do you avoid that buzzword? <laughs> um, no, I don't think we would avoid that buzzword. You know, I think, um, you know, that's a pretty good description. And then I, I would say the only thing maybe you, not unique to us, but where, where we focus is on smaller, smaller to mid-sized firms. Oh, so, cool. um, you know, may, maybe firms that wouldn't necessarily have the resources internally to be able to do what we're able to offer or that maybe a larger firm might have on their own. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's traditionally prohibitively expensive for the smaller firms to have access to, to that kind of stuff. So that's cool. Exactly. And, you know, when you think about, you know, I never thought about it much until I, I came to write networks, but, you know, accounting is part of every single business. Um, and so there's a, there's a massive, market out there and it's super important it's critical for every single business to have a you know a, a functioning solid accounting function so um and it's you know it's we've been uh, we've experienced terrific growth um so uh, you know every year certainly since i've been here and the company's about 20 years old um but continues to grow at a you know really fast pace both organically and, and as well as through acquisition that's cool so uh you and I were originally connected because we had um, uh, Don Pizit from IT Pro TV on our podcast a little while ago, and uh, he was an awesome guy. And then uh, uh, you guys used them for some of your training and stuff, um, and so that, that's how we like heard of you. And uh, I was just curious, like, what's what's your involvement been like with IT Pro TV at Right Networks? Yeah, they've been a really important partner for us and we've, you know, used their services quite a bit. So it's, it's been great. So we, you know, obviously, you know, when I describe the business, right, for, you know, we're about 500 employees now and, and growing and um, many technology professionals uh, within the company. So, and that, you know, can range from, 
you know, customer support representatives, uh, infrastructure engineers, software engineers, security analysts and engineers. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of, of technology needs. And so we've, uh, we've been using ITTV Pro since 2018. Uh, and we have, you know, folks, you know, our, technical professionals within the company that leverage that to to get their training and education to continue to to build their skill sets so that's been super important and there are you know we also you know sponsor the certifications the technical certifications for our staff that um, that want to do that um, so that you know things like comptia a plus security plus network plus uh, Ad- Microsoft Azure certification those types of things um, so we, we leverage it in a number of ways there that's cool it's been a really good uh, service for us so how do you encourage your employees to like because i know it can be challenging to once you get training to have your employees like actually use it that's like a big issue in the training industry like because we used to or we still do have um a leadership training software out for like executives that we uh since from we talk to executives all the time on the podcast, learn a lot and put some of that content out there for training. But in doing that, learned just how often training software just sits there and does nothing after the company buys it. So I was I'm just curious, how do you go about encouraging your employees to to use the training that you get for them? Yeah, I I think it's pretty natural. And I know this isn't the case a lot of times in some businesses. I think for us, it is pretty natural. So there's, and I think part of it has to do with we've always been growing and that's a huge advantage, right? So there are always, there are always positions that are becoming available that folks are you know desiring to get to. And one of the ways that they can get there is to make sure that they stay current on training and continue to expand their skill set and learn. Um, and so, and we do, you know, some, you know, incentive based things that would encourage them to, to take the training. But I think mostly they're motivated to expand their skills, try to get to that next position that they have their eyes on. And, you know, in some, you know, in the, the more, some of the groups where the more senior level technical folks are, I mean, we look at, we look at the company as the farm system for, you know, bringing people through and, and so there's, there's a, you know, it's pretty common that there's upward mobility for folks. And one of the ways, you know, I think people know that one of the ways they get there is through leveraging that, that not, not just ITTV Pro, but just um, expanding their skill sets, getting, getting more training, getting more skills, both on the job and, and through training. So it's. Yeah, that's, that's awesome that you have like such an opportunity to grow your career within the company there. It's because it, I know it's becoming more and more the norm to, especially with remote work now, it's so easy to just, if I want a promotion, I'll just start job hunting instead of uh, talk right. to my boss about that. Um, but that's cool that you have encouraged that kind of culture at your company that like, hey, if you want to go somewhere else with your career, you can you can learn things. And here, there's also, we have these resources here for you to learn things and then apply them at a new job here for you. Like, that's cool. Right. And, and I know, you know, it's the biggest cliche ever, right? Where there's growth, there's opportunity, but it's so true, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we're, yeah, that's true and we're, we're growing and that's been a, that's been a really big advantage for us from, a, you know, being able to retain technical talent and move people up. 
So on the on the topic of of growth, um, recently we had on a company called Witham that they actually started as a CPA firm, but they just had really close connections with their customers and they just kept asking, what else can we do for you? What else can we do for you? And as a result, started adding more and more capabilities, became a pretty tech heavy company. And um, I know they even have like a cybersecurity product out that they sell. And they, oh, wow. like I said, started it as a CPA firm. So I'm curious, like you're talking about having a lot of growth. What's the process like of adding more services and capabilities to your portfolio? Um, is it is M and A like the norm for you, or do you uh, or R and D product development within the company, or a mix of both? And if so, how do you decide between the two? That's a good question. It's it's a mix of both. Is the short answer to the question? I, I think for us, you know, our you know, what we think about is you know how can we get you know more value uh, into the the hands of our customers as quickly as possible at the most reasonable cost. Yeah. And I think that's really where it starts. Um, and so when we identify, okay, what, you know, what, what is the good area for us to add capability? Um, if we, if we, if there's an opportunity to accelerate the roadmap through an acquisition that makes sense, you know, from a cost standpoint, uh, as well as, uh, functionality and technology, then we, you know, certainly we're certainly open to both. But sometimes, sometimes you, you know, you need to develop it too. Um, so it's it's a combination of both. But it's 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 really roadmap driven, which is driven by what the needs of our market are. Makes sense. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about security too, uh, because obviously handling the data involved with accounting is incredibly sensitive and your CIO. So I'm sure that's really top of mind for you. Um, so having been in tech for a while, when did you first start thinking about tech from a security first perspective? That's a great question. I, so, so I actually have been a uh, chief security officer in my past. So I, I really started thinking about it when I took that job for sure. So oh, I bet. <laughs> um, that, uh, that was about 10 years ago. Uh, you know, I, so I, you know, probably in the past 10 years, so it was probably around 10 years ago where it really became front of mind um, for me. And then only, it's only gotten, gotten further to the front uh, and, you know, is accelerating, I would say at this, at this point in time. Um, and so, you know, it's just a, it's a constant race of, you know, as certainly, you know, ubiqu ubiquitous internet connectivity throughout the world, it has, you know, accelerated that. Um, and it's, it's a race between the good guys and the bad guys. And, you know, we, you know, we being on the good guys side and having, you know, really, really critical, important data, um, you know, it's, it's, it's core to what, to what we do at Right Networks. Um, so it's an area that we invest in and that I think about constantly. So you've been there for like four years now, right? Correct. So was, what was, was the security team and strategy at all different when you started there? And if so, how did it change? So I, I think the, the biggest changes are, I think one is just the, 
you know, we're, we're at a different scale now because it's, it, we've been, you know, had four, experienced four years of significant growth. So there's, there's that component to it. So there's, there's, you know, as you grow, it, it, it's larger scale, it's more complicated, there are more products. So there's a, there's a wider portfolio of things, which then bring with them areas of security that you want to think about. Um, and so the, you know, the, the team certainly has grown significantly. Um, we've, you know, gone from, I, I, I don't remember exactly how many people were on the team when I got here, but it's, it's at least doubled in size, uh, and maybe even grown more than that. Um, and then I'd say the other thing that's changed significantly, even in the last four years is the, the technology and capabilities that are available, um, out there. And so, you know, one of the, one of the technology areas that I'm super interested in not, is not just security, but also AI and machine learning. And there's so much that's happened in the last few years uh, and capabilities that just didn't exist a few years ago that we have today. And we've um, mostly acquired those technologies and figured out how we apply them to add value to our platforms and to our environment. That's cool that you've brought AI angle into the security conversation because um, recently we had on the CTO of Avast, which if you don't know of him, he is a fascinating individual. Um, and he's because he's a professor of AI at a university. I oh, wow. Yeah, he's a professor of AI, does a ton of research in the area. And he's also the CTO of Avast, like huge security company. And one thing that he th was saying he thinks about a lot is adversarial AI. Uh, and that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, the, the bad guys using AI to scale up their attacks and automate their attacks. And he was saying that the only way to really be really uh, deploy security against those at such a large scale is to also automate your defenses. Um, right. And that just kind of conjured images in my head of like classic robot fights, um, <laughs> which I know it's, it's not at all what it's like, but I like thinking about it like that. And uh, anyway, I just, I think that that's just such a crazy kind of future application of AI and in the security space that wouldn't have even been on the top of mind like 10 years ago. And it's, it's just crazy seeing that all develop today. And so how do you think about like scaling up your defenses, I guess, um, and, and automating your security practices? Yeah, I think that's, um, so it, it it is certainly an area of focus for us all the time, and so I, I think we have you know we have a couple of ways we approach it. Right, one is you know we we have these large platforms today that are at scale and growing, and you know there's there's a ton of security security operations and security capabilities and activities that we're in today in order to secure and run those platforms, and then we have a small team that does nothing but look at you know what what's coming next. And so it's, you know, we call, we call it architecture and advanced tech, uh, advanced technology. And they're looking at you know, not just security, but just in general, you know, what's coming next and how do we, how do we apply that and leverage that for our business? Um, and, you know, like I said, I think, you know, I, I don't know the, the CTO of a, of a, did you say it was a vast? Yeah. A vast, like a vast antivirus. 
Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look him up, but yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think you you know you can't battle uh, bad guys with AI with you know keyboards and mice. <laughs> we got to do it. With, <laughs> we got to do it with good guy AI. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think um, you know I think where you know our approach to that is to to look at you know what what is available in the marketplace, acquire that, and you know become really really good at uh, applying that for the advantage of our business. So um, I, I know I keep referencing other episodes, but that's how I kind of uh, have built up my understanding of the industry. And so anyway, we another inter- interview I did uh, recently was with a guy named Biju from a company called Hexaware that they are all about like automating everything and helping out companies across industries with digital transformation. Um, and he like gave me a really cool walkthrough of like the general digital transformation process. Um, and from talking with you today, it sounds like you guys have built up, like obviously from helping move accounting departments to the cloud and building up your security infrastructure. Um, it sounds like you've built up like a really solid infrastructure um, for like, I guess, digital transformation in general. So I'm curious, uh, what's your advantage of uh, sticking with and focusing on accounting firms and accounting departments? So that that's a great question. So, and it's one that we, you know, we certainly at a strategic level talk about a lot, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think we're, you know, not to say, you know, we would never expand beyond accounting. I, I just think we've, we believe there's so much more that, you know, we can bring to accounting. Uh, and there's just, you know, a, a, a runway of years of, you know, continued growth and additional services that we can bring into accounting. And if we were to start to expand or go broader than that, uh, I think it would, I, th- I think it would be distracting and take away from our ability to really deliver, you know, continue to deliver additional value uh, to the accounting market, um, but it's it's a good question. I mean, we've we've certainly talked about it a ton. Um, yeah, no, but so. I mean, it's really it's a really smart strategy to to master your niche and be disciplined about not getting distracted by the shiny object, because um, I mean, sometimes the shiny object can become a, a business model that you try for a while and then a hundred thousand dollars later uh you decide well i guess we learned that that wasn't the thing for us <laughs> but that's after a lot of uh like i said a hundred thousand dollars later or I don't know, it gets much larger scale than that even um by large companies but right. yeah, I was, yeah i was i would say that's true and never say never you know yeah we, yeah exactly you know, we, it's something we revisit all the time um but i just think we've you know every time we check in on that it's sort of a, we there's so much here and there's so much more for for us to be able to do here that you know this is the place for us to be focused for sure i mean like you said at the beginning of the call or just a little bit earlier there's there's no shortage of accounting because every single business <laughs> needs to do it. So uh, you right. uh, certainly have a lot of room for growth still. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about leadership before we wrap up. Is that cool? Sure. So 
I guess uh, you, you, you've been in leadership for a long time, but you, you did start as an individual contributor. Um, what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned the first time you transitioned from individual contributor to management? Ooh. Hitting that way back machine again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd say probably the biggest thing is, I mean, you, you know, you, 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 you live with yourself for, you know, years and years and years, and then you're, you're an individual contributor and you're used to thinking a certain way and approaching things in a certain way. And to a certain extent, you're doing that because you think that's the right way to do it and the best way to do it. And I think what you learn very quickly is there's a lot of right ways to think about things. There's a lot of best ways to do it. And there are a lot of different approaches. Uh, and so I think, you know, quickly learn, you know, you, you're not going to turn everybody into the way you do it uh, and then make that work. It's more, you know, it's understanding how, what, what everybody's talents are, how do they think, how do they approach things, and how do you as a leader set them up so that you can get the best work out of them. Uh, and, you know, both from an individual perspective and, uh, you know, when you look at the makeup of a team and really understanding, you know, what are the different strengths of the folks on the team and, you know, delegating work and in, in a way that, you know, is most effective collectively as a team. And it's just probably that's the biggest lesson I think is learning how, di how different and how varied you know, each person is from individual to individual and everybody's got gifts and talents, but they're very different. I'd say that was a, that was a learning experience for me. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, the strongest team is like a group of people that are all extremely talented in different areas so that they can come together and be more than a sum of the parts. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I'd say, um, uh, you just got me thinking about kind of one thing that I've learned uh, as I like have transitioned into like leading a little bit. And uh, the hardest part for me was letting go of previous responsibilities and having to accept that, that when you hand them off, they might not execute on it perfectly at first. And you have to let them fail a little bit. And, and, uh, and you have to let this, this thing that you used to work on, um, get accomplished, like not exactly how you would do it before. <laughs> and you just have to watch and be okay with that. Um, right. and that's, that was, that's hard. That's really hard to do, but it's super hard. Yeah. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I will testify that because most of my job today, I learned on the job, like just by doing, and I'll say that I'm much better at what I do for that, like, because right. that just ingrains it so much deeper in you than someone just saying, Hey, here's your instructions. Um, so it's, it's important right. to like, remember that, remember that feeling of how much you learned from hard knocks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you can hear, you know, somebody, you know, it's like your parents will tell you something over and over and over and then, <laughs> you know, you're going to go do it 
the way you're going to do it anyway. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I guess they were right, but I had to learn the hard <laughs> way, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, I want to wrap up with my my favorite question to ask. What are you learning right now and what's what's challenging you? Ooh, so, so I think, you know, we're in the process now of, you know, we've identified some, what we think are, you know, good, good additional products and services to add to the portfolio. And, you know, we're at the very early stages of testing and understanding, you know, are, are those good products and services to, to add to the portfolio? So going, you know, thinking about that and going through the process of, you know, how do we, how do we test that? How do we evaluate how the test is going? How do we translate that into what it really means longer term for the growth of the business? I'd say that that's probably the, the, an area that, that I'm, that I'm challenged by right now. And super fun and interesting and a little bit different from, from what I've done in the past. So. If you don't mind talking about it, that sounds really interesting. We don't have to talk about what the products are, but what's what's your testing process like for um, testing market pressure and uh, evaluating these new pro- products? We're figuring that out, uh, and um, but it's yeah, it's 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 actually going it's going out into the market and you know going through the process of you know selling and delivering on a somewhat limited basis these products and services, and then figuring out, you know, what are the right metrics to be measuring and how are we, you know, how are we monitoring and measuring that and making changes and adjusting as we go? That's cool. Yeah. I've heard of uh, a strategy for like kind of day zero of just um, figuring out what you want to try to sell. Um, I've, I've heard of businesses or founders that will come up with a couple different product ideas and just make some ads for them without making the product and just run the ads and then see what gets the most clicks. And then they're like, all right, I'll figure out how to make that product. And they make it. And then that's how they uh, like do like the first stage of their product development. And I've heard some pretty wild success stories around that, um, that it's just such a smart idea. Like, you that you can test people's how much people want a product without even making the product just so interesting yeah it's interesting too not not at right network's been in a previous company you know we were <clears throat> we were doing something similar and you know there was a whole it, the, the product team and the delivery team were the, completely wrapped around the axle on you know how are it's really complicated to figure out how do you bill and you know, charge people for this new product, and you know all of these changes that had to be made to the billing system that were going to take months to do development on in order to be able to even get out there and and test it. And we just said, you know what, what, what if we just put it out there? Because all we're trying to do, we're not trying to make money with this yet. We're just trying to understand what the demand looks like. So, what if we just put it out there and put a button that says, you know, pay, and then just we don't never bill them for it. Just we'll, we'll see, <laughs> we'll just see how, how, how many people actually go through and, and go attempt to a, acquire the product and they'll just be in a trial. And so we'll, at some point we'll figure out how we'll charge for it and bill for it, but let's first find out if there's demand for it. Yeah, that's really cool. So I guess uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't get to touch on that uh, you wanted to touch on today? Uh, I know you said 
you've mentioned huge growth a couple of times. Are you hiring? Do you want to plug that? We are constantly hiring. So yeah, I mean, across the board from, you know, all of our different tech positions um, and with, you know, remote work, the, you know, geography is open. And so we're, um, yeah, absolutely. It's a terrific company, great growth, great place to work, really cool technology, great people. Um, and yeah, we're, we're hiring all the time. So check us out. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.